So welcome to this week's show. I've got Hannah from Pages, Places and Plates back with me. I'm going to discuss this week Friends Who Move Couches, David Mogo, Godhunter and Between Inca Walls. So over to you. Let's let's start with Friends Who Move Couches, almost a memoir. I like that bit actually. So tell us what it's about. Okay, so you might recognise the author CJ Zana, anyone listening, um, because I actually reviewed a book of hers last year, um, which was called Dream Wide Awake, um, which was a psychological thriller, and it was amazing. It had like a paranormal element to it, and it was just a really, in, like, really original novel. I do remember. Yeah, yeah, it was very good, yeah. And Friends Who Move Couches is really interesting, because it's um, domestic fiction. Okay. The opposite, and she's decided to write something completely different. Um, and I know some people are really funny about authors dabbling in multiple genres because they seem to think that they might not be that good. It'll be kind of a jack of all trades, master of none sort of situation. Um, but the author's really kind of proven that she can write in this genre just as well. Um, and it, it was really interesting to read something completely different from her for a change. And um, the story is um, basically. It follows a character called Nikki Gray, um, who is loosely based on her own life, hence the uh, almost a memoir part. Um, and Nikki is um, quite an interesting character because she's obsessed with friendship and she needs to feel loved and she needs to know that she's valued by people and um, to feel at her best. She's got loads of serious things going on in her life, so she's struggling from ep- with epilepsy and she's got a workaholic hus- husband, she's got kids that are being a little bit feral. Um, but she really wants to focus on her friendship issues instead, possibly because she's ignoring all the bigger things, and but she she kind of sees that as the important thing comes of her again. And it kind of follows her escapades and then a kind of interesting journey of self development and um, as she kind of realises who she really is and the things she should be doing. Right, okay. Um interesting you said it was a domestic fiction. How's that different from um, let's say women's fiction or any other kind of fiction how's that different so domestic fiction focuses mostly around the home and the family environment and so and there's not it's a genre that i only really became fully aware of what it was recently and but ian McEwan writes a lot of domestic fiction he's a good example of someone and although not as light-hearted as this obviously he's usually quite serious and but it is pretty much fiction and that is really focused around a family or some sort of unit that live in the same environment and yeah so i I would say this book comes under chick lit as well and it does come under women's fiction and it's it's definitely for the people who enjoy that sort of really it's really about i don't know i think the environment of the story rather than necessarily the plot yeah okay that makes sense yeah the environment of the story i like that i'm making notes as you're speaking by the way so it's always uh you hear these things when you talk to people and you you know you you don't always know absolutely everything there is to do with a book even though yeah. writers um you know there's also lots of different uh ways of describing genres as well yeah i mean that was Definitely. how i that was how i found out from you i think it might have been last year or earlier this year about um romantic suspense yeah, yeah, well, I remember that conversation. Yeah, yeah a genre and that is kind of a blend of two, isn't it? It is, and it was so exciting to me to find that out because it turns out that's the the genre that I tend to write in most, and I hadn't known it, I hadn't realised it. Um, <laughs> there's, there's lots of uh, great reviews for this one. Why do you think that is? It's just such a fun book. Um, I read it in two days, and I 
think my partner's getting a little bit exasperated because every time he wanted me to do something, I was like, yeah, I've got to read another chapter. <laughs> um, so it was one of those books where I just, I couldn't put it down. And um, I think Nikki is such a wonderful character. Like, she's definitely got a lot of issues, but she's really endearing. Um, and it's just, you, you, it's just the sort of book where you, you constantly, you want to race through it, you want to get to the next bit, and it feels kind of almost like a friend. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it. I mean... I can relate to it from the needing friendship bit because you know I'm more of a lone wolf. I'm, I'm not necessarily the person that remembers to meet up with my friends. Uh, it might be like once a year or that. Um, but I really related to Nikki for her kind of. She's quite clumsy and she she's a good person. She puts other people first, but and um, she she maybe procrastinates on issues um, and focuses on completely irrelevant things instead. So I can relate to that. And then yeah, she she's got a lot of um. She's multifaceted, and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to her. I love that she's um, the character is clumsy because that is such a big part of people that quite mm-hmm. often isn't written into characters in books. Yeah, it's very, it's a very real thing. <laughs> Nikki finds herself in situations that you genuinely would think are completely far fetched, and then you realise they've actually happened to Cindy. And you're like, yeah, and then you, <laughs> they're just, they're, yeah, it. It does make me laugh. There are some really hilarious moments in the book or situations you just think, that's so ridiculous. My next question was going to be, would you choose another book by this author? Now, I'm guessing that's a big fat yes. Yes. And, and it, it, regardless of genre, because she's proven that she can do multiple genres really well, um, which I think is really, I think that shows a really talented author. And it's not just that she's written an average book in both of them, she's written an excellent book in both genres. Um so I, th- I think she's she's a really good author, I think, and a lot of people do need to check her out. Um, okay. I'd be interested to see what she does next. Friend. I mean, the, the thriller one, it was like um, your proper sort of crime one, um, really psychological, but with that paranormal edge, which is something I've never seen um, in a crime novel before. The next book is um, David Mogo Godhunter, is the, is the title. Yes, yeah, I'm going to say the author's name is pronounced Suyu Davies Okumbawa, but I don't know that for sure. I've probably... Phonetically, it does look like that. Sorry, I have. Right, it's got a rather curious title, so what's this one about? um, So this is another interesting genre, actually. I think this is the theme for today. Um, So this book is Afrofuturism, which a lot of people haven't heard of, um, though they have likely experienced it before. And I haven't heard of Afrofuturism until I actually received this book. So this book was um, not gifted to me by the author, but I received it in a um, book box subscription called Heady Mix. I featured in my Christmas gift guide last year. Okay. Um, and Heady Mix um, have book box subscriptions, and each month has a different sort of um, theme, but it will be to do with um, kind of underheard voices, yeah. um, or those, those that are in the minority or oppressed in some way. Um, and so the theme I got was Afrofuturism, and I'd never heard of it before. Um, and then I looked into it, and I realised that I'd actually um, consumed Afrofuturism um, in the form of Black Panther, um, which is a very kind of well-known example, but people don't know that's what the genre is. And it, it's essentially um, African culture, but mixed with technology, and uh, mixed in with the future, but that sort of thing. So it's a really popular genre, but um, quite niche. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, the, it's the genre that I'd like to see becoming more mainstream, I think, because um, there's some really amazing stuff in it. And, and, and this is a good example. So this book, um, it follows, um, so David Mogo is a Nigerian demigod, and he lives in Lagos in Nigeria. And, and he, he, he basically, his job is to um, 
remove um, these things called godlings. They're like little, I don't know, they're like little minions of the gods that um, kind of end up in the human realm. And he goes around and finds them and gets rid of them. And he, he has a um, he has a kind of a job um, given to him by someone to capture, dem- um, I think it's a demigod or a higher god. And um, he does, but by doing so, he accidentally um, empowers an evil wizard um, to kind of take over Lagos. So he's cr- he's caused this massive issue. Lagos is already falling into disrepair in this um, environment, and it's going to get worse now. So he basically has to take it upon himself to fix the situation, and he has to go and um, defeat the wizard um, with the help of some other people. So it's, it's quite an interesting story, and um, it's a whole completely different world um, to what we live in, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, did do a little bit of research on this and um, saw it described as um, fantasy um, genre, but as yeah. you say, it's it's mixed with Afrofuturism. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely fantasy, and it's got very big action adventure elements to it as well. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Very different from anything I've read, but I loved it. Yeah, and also because it's a, an unusual title. It's a person's name, comma, yeah. God Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and, and I don't know if you've seen the cover as well. I did. The cover is just a like, beautiful thing. I was just um, going to say to you about the cover, actually. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how did it marry with the contents? Because it is very Nigerian, isn't it? It's very African. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very interesting art style. And then... I remember when I got the book, I just stared at the cover for like several minutes. I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you see some of the art, it kind of continues on some of the chapter pages and it's, it's nice. Um, but it, it does match very well. And um, the culture is very vibrant in the mm-hmm. book. Um, and something that I really liked was kind of just how immersive it was. So he uses a lot of descriptions, um, which is good. Um, and you, you really do get a feel, like it doesn't feel like, you know, sometimes you read books, and they're kind of like westernized a little bit to make it easier for okay. us to understand or whatever. Um, and I hate that. And this hasn't been done here at all. This is like pure Nigerian culture and it's really good. And something he does, which I thought was really interesting, um, is he actually has a character who speaks primarily in Nigerian, Nigerian pidgin. Okay. Um, not translated. But that's really interesting because it forces you to immerse yourself in the culture because you're reading and, and it's not difficult to understand. There are a few words that you think this is what I mean, but generally, because it's pidgin, it's mixed with English, isn't it, in a way? So it's you can kind of understand it. And I, I thought, I, re- I just really liked that. The, the only other time I've seen something similar is in The Colour Purple. I don't know if you've read it. No, I haven't. Um, yeah, but in that book, it's written um, in a very kind of, dialecty way um, if that makes sense Um, and it's it's actually quite hard to understand at points but it forces you to go into the world right you have to become immersed in it um i was just going to say to you actually and i'm not sure if i've got the name of the the title correct but one of the books i had to study at uni was called london rich london poor or something very similar to that and i actually cannot remember the author's name but they did the same thing. The um, the characters were were speaking in this, what we would read as as pidgin English, but it was yeah. it was very um, very clear who was speaking when. 
and it was amazing. a really good way actually of getting across the, the sound of their voices as well yeah i loved it because it automatically added an accent in my yes. head and then then i transferred that accent onto the other characters and then i was listening to them in my head with yeah. nigerian accents uh, rather than putting my own voice over them which i tend to do uh, when i read a book yeah and um, so i really like that and i think at the moment um anglicizing things is a hot topic and so to actually read something where it hasn't been done was really good it's really it's really interesting when you're reading a book that's um maybe alien to you normally and um even sometimes regionally as well because clearly yeah. you and i are from essex and we've got a specific accent which we can't hear but others can <laughs> and when you maybe hear somebody from somewhere rural in maybe Suffolk or even up north in Yorkshire or something, and they've got a specific way of speaking, that if that's added with all the um, apostrophes and um, mm -hmm. you know letters that are missing, and they add that to the character's speech, it becomes very much more real, doesn't it? Yeah. It's yeah, a very definitely. good technique, that is. So what was your takeaway yeah. from this book? Um... I, I thought it was really good. It, it was it was very action focused, and it was not. I don't usually read action focused books, so that was quite nice as well. That made a nice change, and it, it was really a coming of age sort of story. And mm -hmm. um, because David Mogo is a very strong character, obviously he's a demi god, but he's very flawed, and he's he's got some emotional issues he needs to work through, and they're kind of they get in the way of his physical strength. So it was nice to see a character go from thinking he was really good to not being really good to actually becoming this really great individual that's really learned from his experiences and i did i just thought as well it was so imaginative like it was some of some of the gods i don't want to spoil it but there's a god in there's a water god that's just the most wild character and he's just so imaginative and just bizarre and i loved it it was like really nice to read something that's just so original um is this author new to you? Yeah, yeah, I hadn't read anything by him before. Will you look out for more from him? Mm-hmm, 100%. Excellent stuff. That's always a good thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. So lastly, we've got um, Between Inca Walls by Evelyn Cole Latour. But it's actually Between Inca Walls, a Peace Corps memoir. Yes, yes. yes. So um, this is a travel memoir. Right. Um, but again, with the genre thing and the theme, I think I think it's more than a travel memoir. It's also a coming of age book, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's it's got many themes in it, which are really interesting and all run together. And it's not just a travel memoir; it's got so many elements to it, and and it's really fascinating. But basically, um, Evelyn or Evelyn, and she um joined the Peace Corps as a young woman. She's American, and and she it was in the nineteen sixties. She went over to Peru, um. I think she, she chose Peru. There was no real decision behind it. It was just, oh, I've heard someone else went there, so I'll go there sort of thing. Mm -hmm. She had no, like, connection to the country at all. Um, but she obviously developed a very strong connection to it throughout time there. Um, and it basically explored um, her journey as a Peace Corps member and kind of what she did. And um, there's a big element of kind of the culture, and you see a real um, culture clash. So kind of she's witnessing things in Peruvian culture, and then it's compared with her, you know, the American ideal back at home. Um, Evelyn's not one to, she wasn't um, one that just wanted to settle down straight away like everyone else in her neighbourhood did, and she wanted to go out and see the world, which was kind of almost a bit taboo in those times. It wasn't really something you did as a young woman, yeah. and especially a Catholic young woman. 
Um, so there's a lot of that kind of her being able to break free and experience life as she wants to have it. Um, but then it's also a love story um, because she, she meets, um, or she dates a few men out there, actually. Um, and it's, she does eventually meet someone that she's with for quite a big portion of the book. Um, and so it's following their relationship. And I found that almost as captivating as all the other stuff. It was like, it was really intense, um, the scenes with the relationship, and you're really like hanging on to it, and you get really involved with it, um, which is great. Um, but then as well, it's also a story of religious conflict. As I mentioned, she's Catholic, mm-hmm. um, and at that time, and I guess still now, um, it was very much kind of as a Catholic woman, you must remain pure, you must not have any sins, that sort of thing. And she was very aware of this, but you know, she was a young woman, she's in a relationship um, with a man that she loves, and she's really struggling to kind of commit to the um, Catholic ideal that's been um, put upon her. So there's also a little bit of kind of thinking about who she is and her values and whether they align with her religion and that sort of thing. Um, it, it really wraps up lots of different stuff into this just wonderful tale and um, the travel. I, I hadn't realised that it was... I hadn't realised that she it was set in the 60s. I thought it was yeah. modern day. So does that incorporate then, considering... Um, religion, I mean, she's originally from Montana, goes to California mm-hmm. before she goes to Peru. So is there feminism incorporated in that, do you think? Yeah, there really is. Now, I was going to say as well, and um, the fact that she's a woman writing this memoir makes it so, I don't know, it just makes it even more um, kind of poignant and even more, like, that more things that are involved with it. Because if she was a man in that sort of situation in those times wouldn't have been, you know, the whole Catholic thing wouldn't really have been included because double standards and whatnot, and then, you know, it, it wouldn't necessarily have been the same story at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she would have been treated in the same way, um, both by the Americans and the Peruvians. Um, so I think I think her being a woman brought so many different challenges um, to her travels, um, which made it just really interesting to read. Well, the areas she's travelled to are vibrant, exciting and lively, so did that come through for you? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's really inspired me to go to Peru, actually. Like, I've, I've always wanted to go to Peru, anyway. I know, now I want to go everywhere. Um, but Peru has been one that's on my kind of hot list for a while, and this has kind of really sold it to me. It's, like, really confirmed to me that it's a place I want to check out. And um, it's also interesting because you see the city life and you see the rural life. You don't just see, like, one element of Peru. You see all of it. You see the bits where you have to travel by mule for three hours through the mountains to get to it, you know, and then you've also got the more kind of city areas um, that are maybe slightly more um, what we think about when we think of Peru. Um, what was your thoughts on the cover? I, don't, I, I think, it, yeah, it, I think it was a good cover, I would say. I mean, my first thought of it was because there was, um, I, when I very first saw the synopsis, I actually thought it was a novel from the synopsis. And I yeah, hadn't I, picked up that from the title that it was a memoir, even though it does actually say memoir on there. But the cover, obviously, there's a you know real people on the cover, um, yeah. and, the, and the font as well. I, it didn't come You're across. Right, yeah, it didn't come across as maybe something that was going to grab me instantly. To be fair, but now I know it was set in the sixties, and mm-hmm. it is factual. The cover makes more sense. So I yeah. think perhaps the synopsis threw me off because I thought it was a novel from the synopsis. 
I don't think it's my favourite cover I've seen of a memoir. Um, I know my favourite cover of a memoir, and that's Jean Roberts' uh, memoir, definitely, because that that I oh, think yeah. she she got it perfectly. Yeah, but I I still think it's a good cover. I do like it, and um, I I was drawn. To, I think I I just I liked the ambiance of it. Mm-hmm. That's what drew me to it. There's something about that street that just makes for a really nice image. Um, was the street then covered in in her um, narration? I don't know if that specific street was. She did speak of streets, but yeah, it, to be honest, thinking like thinking about it, there was more mention of the rural areas. Right. So perhaps actually, maybe a more rural area could have been more fitting. And do you feel that there's um, more to expect from this specific author? I don't know. Yeah, I'd like there to be because it ended, and then I was like, oh, but I want to know what else happens. So <laughs> I'd really like her to write another book. Um. Kind of about her life afterwards. Exactly. It was really interesting. Yeah. yeah. It, and it, it ended on quite a um quite a cliffhanger as well. And I was like, oh, you can't do that to me. I need to know more. <laughs> <laughs> because if that's set in the sixties and it's taking you through until she's twenty one, I believe. Yeah. Then there's plenty to learn more about her now. How her life panned out. What, what? Yeah, and I think readers of this particular memoir would want to read the next bit. I think, I think that would be something that would be interested. Perhaps there's um, another generational gap to add to it then, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. I hope so. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Right, yeah. so that's that's quite a mix this time. We've got almost memoir, uh, fantasy Afrofuturism and, and memoir. So, I mean, you've had fun this time, haven't you? Yeah, I've had some really good books. I've really enjoyed these ones. Um... Yeah, it's been great. It hasn't felt like I've, like sometimes, because obviously I do so much, and if the book is kind of average or below, it can feel a bit like workload, but these ones are just perfect. just enjoyed reading them. You must have a a very intense mind. Currently I'm back into reading non-fiction again. Oh yeah. But I am writing fiction, so while I'm reading non-fiction, I'm writing fiction, Um, and I'm still trying to get my head back into reading fiction. And I yeah. have given the book that I really wanted to read. I have um, sort of dips in and out. But at the minute, my mind is still not there. I think I've got so many things I'm trying to do at the same time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting my mind a little bit too confused. Um, but hearing some of these and some of your reviews, it does prompt me in those directions a little bit more. So okay. Yeah, that, that's... Yeah, a good thing. These are really good, lovely books to get lost in. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's another good connection between all of them. You could just get completely absorbed in them, um, which is really nice. So some of these, are are they, you know, would you consider them sort of short stories or, or sort of much larger? All um, average-ish novel length. I like that, average-ish, okay. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you a friend who made couches because I read it so quickly. Well... So that I tells you a lot, doesn't it? it? Yeah. So I don't even know how long it was, but it was really good. Excellent stuff. No, I there, I also have one honorary mention of a book I read, and um, just because I felt like it, not for a review, but I read um, "This Is Going to Hurt" by Adam Kay. I've been meaning to read it for a long time, and I don't know if you've read it. No. Um, but for anyone that hasn't read it, it's um basically humorous uh, diary entries of a junior doctor um in the NHS, and it was just mm. a brilliant read, and I think everyone should read it. Actually, um, I haven't read it, but I think my daughter has got it on her bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> read it, like really do. And another one, I raced through it, and it just 
it it had a very important point about kind of how we view doctors and like what they're really going through uh, behind the scenes and stuff. And I, I think everyone should read it. And it is yeah, really really enlightening read. Hilarious. Right. So what's your website again? And um, so yeah, my website is pagesplatesandplates.com. And um, there, for any authors that would like me to review their work, that's great. I can still take um people on, but there is a little bit of a waiting time um at the moment. And um, usually, usually around three months, two or three months, and then I get a slot in. Um, so what I recommend you do is read my reviews policy um, before you contact me, just because there are a couple of genres I don't review, um, I'm, I'm not based, best place to review them. Um, so just check that first, just to make sure I can review your book. Oh, lovely. Thank you for joining me again this time. No worries. And uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>